Daniel Langton, Professor of Jewish History at the University of Manchester. Today we're asking the question, how Jewish do Jewish people think the Apostle Paul was? I'm interested in the history of Jewish-Christian relations, and key to this are the theologies that have developed since the first century. Probably the most important theologian of all was St. Paul, Apostle to the Gentiles, especially in relation to his teachings about Judaism and the law. For many Christians who read his claims such as, quote, the power of sin is in the law, 1 Corinthians 15, 56, and, quote, for as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse, Galatians 3.10, Paul appears to condemn the law, and Judaism might appear to be a throwback to the Old Testament, a kind of fossilised legalism. For some, Judaism might seem to be a faith that stubbornly refuses to accept the truths that Jesus was the Messiah who brought about cosmic salvation and a new covenant where the law is written upon the heart and where eternal salvation is available for all who believe in his name. But what do Jews make of Paul? Jewish interest in the Apostle Paul is essentially a modern phenomenon. Generally speaking, Jews have regarded him suspiciously as the true founder of the Christian religion, at best as someone unfamiliar with real Judaism, and at worst as a self-hating Jew, an aggressive missionary, and a traitor to his faith and people. In particular, he has commonly been held responsible for Christianity's traditional misunderstanding of and antagonism towards the law. Most scholars agree that the rabbinic literature and ancient Jewish sources never mention Paul by name, but there are a few tantalizing references. For example, quote, he who profanes the hallowed things and despises the set feasts and puts his fellow to shame publicly and makes void the covenant of Abraham our father and discloses meanings in the law which are not according to the halakha, from Perkei Avot 3.12. Or, quote, this man estranged himself from the circumcision and the commandments of the Torah, from Ruth Rabba Peticha 3. And a pupil of Gamaliel, who scoffed at his master's teachings and who exhibited impudence in matters of learning, Shabbat 30b. All of these texts originated hundreds of years after Paul lived, and if indeed they refer to Paul, they reflect Jewish ideas of Christian teaching rather than independent knowledge of Paul himself. Nor does Paul feature in medieval Jewish discussions of Christianity, despite his importance for its theology. This might reflect simple ignorance or a deliberate policy to ignore an influential enemy, or more likely, an awareness of the political danger of engaging with such an authoritative Christian figure. Those few authors that do make brief mention tend to be minor figures living in the relative safety of Muslim lands or converts to Christianity. One exception is a brief confused reference in the anonymous Toldot Yeshu or History of Jesus, a notorious popular polemic composed sometime in late antiquity on the basis of earlier traditions. Versions of the Toldot, dating from the 13th century, tell us that the Jewish sages desired to separate from Israel those who followed Yeshu or Jesus as the Messiah, and that they called upon a learned man, Simeon Kepha, for help. The figure in question is Simon, called Peter, Jesus' apostle. Claiming to speak on behalf of Yeshu, Simon Kepha introduced new festivals and rejected circumcision in the dietary laws. The Toldot then confuses Peter and Paul when it concludes, quote, All these new ordinances which Simeon Kepha, or Paul, as he was known to the Nazarenes, 
taught them were really meant to separate the Nazarenes from the people of Israel and to bring the eternal strife to an end. If we were to gather together any fragments we could find from the pre-modern period to generate a rough composite image of the Jewish conception of Paul, we'd see that he was portrayed as the innovator of non-Jewish teachings, such as the belief in God as Trinity, the atoning death of the Messiah, and celibacy, someone whose anti-Torah misreadings of scripture had led him to set aside practices that traditionally separated the Jews from the other nations, such as the food laws and festivals. But we need to remind ourselves that such an image was by no means widespread among Jews, who likely never thought of Paul at all. In the 19th century, German Protestant biblical criticism increasingly viewed Christianity to be the result of Paul's universalistic teachings. As the cliche has it, Paul was understood to have turned the religion of Jesus into a religion about Jesus. Amongst the early Jewish proponents of this view was the German scholar Heinrich Gretz, whose immensely influential history of the Jews presented Paul as the inventor of Christianity distinguished Paul's superficial Jewish learning from Jesus's high-mindedness and moral purity, and argued that Paul's anti-law or anti-Torah theology made him, quote, the destroyer of Judaism. German Christian scholarship of the 19th century emphasized Paul's role in injecting pagan elements into the religion of Jesus, and many Jews simply followed that lead. For example, the prominent U.S. reform rabbi, Kaufman Kohler, in his Jewish Encyclopedia article on Saul of Tarsus, found Gnostic influences and Hellenistic mystery religions to account for many of Paul's teachings. Even the German philosopher Martin Buber, whose credentials in interfaith relations were impeccable, contrasted the faith of Jesus, a Jewish faith that implied relation with and trust in God, the divine person, with the faith of Paul, a Christian faith that was premised upon belief in a proposition or idea. Let's consider a few more examples of Jewish views of Paul in a little more depth. Perhaps the best known example of a kind of hostile critic of Paul was Chaim Maccabee, who died in 2004. Maccabee was an Orthodox Jewish chief librarian at the progressive Leo Beck College in London and was also associated with the University of Leeds. His writings reflected a fascination with Jewish-Christian relations and included works on Jesus, medieval disputations, and the phenomenon of anti-Semitism. His book that is of most interest to us was The Mythmaker, Paul and the Invention of Christianity from 1986. Maccabees was a polemical approach concerned to refute Paul's claim to be a Pharisee. Paul came to represent in Maccabees' mind everything that was wrong with Christianity. According to Maccabee, who used the New Testament but derived his main argument from Epiphanius's 4th century refutations of heretics, which records the accusations of early Jewish Christians against Paul, Paul was born a Gentile or non-Jew, and his background and education were largely pagan. He converted to Judaism in Tarsus and then worked for the temple police in Jerusalem. Having been disappointed in his advancement, he founded a new religion, in search of fame. Tarsus was a city with few if any Pharisaic teachers and Paul's exposure to Pharisaism must have been very limited. This is clear, said Maccabee, from Paul's abrogation or rejection of the Torah, a view which likely stemmed from his own failure to observe Judaism 
and its obliteration of the distinction between Jew and non-Jew, and therefore the obligation of either to observe the law. Likewise, Paul's Greek writing and references to Greek poets is unique amongst Pharisees, and his Hebrew was poor. While many of Paul's ideas would have been familiar to the non-Jewish world, they would have been shocking to the Jews. For example, his use of Christ as a divine title does not correlate to the conception of the Jewish Messiah. The mystical idea of being in Christ does not sound Jewish, and nor did his opposition of flesh and spirit. Paul's invention of Christianity was for Maccabee a concoction of Hellenism, superficially connected to Hebrew scriptures and tradition. In these ways, Maccabee increases the gap between Jesus, whom he regarded as a Pharisee, and Paul, a pagan-born opportunist, who is the creator of the Gentile church and its legacy of Christian anti-Judaism. Other Jewish writers, however, were intrigued by Paul and were less hasty in casting him out from Judaism. Claude Montefiore was an earlier Anglo-Jewish biblical scholar and philanthropist who wrote in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. He was one of the founders of liberal Judaism in Britain in the 20th century and the first president of the World Union of Progressive Judaism. In terms of scholarship, he was unusual as a Jew for his lifelong interest in Christianity and the New Testament and is best known for his work, A Rabbinic Anthology, which was a systematic thematic selection of rabbinic ethical teachings. He also wrote Judaism and St. Paul in 1914. When Montefiore came to look at Paul of Tarsus, he emphasized that the apostle had originated from a Hellenistic or diaspora Judaism, which Montefiore believed was quite distinct from the Palestinian Judaism, which would evolve into rabbinic Judaism. In contrast to rabbinic Judaism, Hellenistic Judaism was too philosophical, transcendent, and pessimistic in character. In other words, it wasn't authentic Judaism. Paul's teachings occasionally showed touches of genius, including his universalist determination to break down the walls of distinction between Jew and non-Jew, and his more systematic thought and theology, which was more consistent than other Jewish sources up until then. Nevertheless, for Montefiore, Paul's view of the law was a major problem since it was so alien to the conception of the law found in rabbinic Judaism. Paul's mistaken idea of the purpose of the law, quote, to accentuate the sharpness of sin, was clearly not authentically Jewish, but largely the result of the pessimistic character of the Hellenistic Judaism in which he'd grown up and or reflected his own psychological issues. Likewise, Paul's teaching of vicarious atonement, that is, Christ's sacrificial death on behalf of the sins of others, which undermined the idea of God's forgiveness, was a puzzle that could only be explained if Paul had never been familiar with the true Judaism of Palestine. For Montefiore, Paul was one of the founders of the Gentile Church, that is, of non-Jewish Christianity, and as such, the Apostle had criticised Judaism, albeit only the poorer, inferior Hellenistic Judaism with which he had been familiar, when he emphasised its theological differences with Christianity. This kind of anti-Jewish criticism was in sharp contrast with Jesus, whom Montefiore regarded as a good Jewish prophet who had never sought to establish a new religion. The liberal or progressive rabbi Leo Beck wrote after Montefiore, but before Maccabee. He was a leader of German Jewry during the Nazi period and a survivor of the concentration camp Turetzin. Beck's interest in the New Testament represented a powerful reclamation of Jesus as a Jew 
asserting the kernel of Jesus's faith to be a Jewish commitment to internalizing the divine commandment, which explained why Christian scholars had been unable to identify something new in Jesus's teachings, which would have justified the creation of a new religion. For Beck, the essence of Christianity could be traced back to Paul rather than Jesus. It was Paul who had been the first true instigator of a new religion that had mixed Jewish and pagan religious elements. Early on in the 1920s, Beck suggested that Paul had, quote, left Judaism when he had preached faith alone, because this suggested that faith was adequate without the law. For Paul, salvation was not something worked for, but something mysteriously granted by God, with the result that morality and responsibility for the future was less important than mysteries and sacraments. But later, after the war, Beck was prepared to more fully acknowledge Paul's Jewishness. Paul's view of the Messiah, for example, was described as a Jewish view in that it was based on the kind of Jewish messianism found in the apocalyptic book of Daniel. And Paul's concern for the Gentiles or non-Jews was also regarded as Jewish. Beck argued, quote, that the coming of the Messiah and the coming of the Gentiles or non-Jews to the God of Israel are interconnected. That is Jewish faith, and such was Paul's faith. In fact, Paul's view of the Messiah also helped explain his often puzzling negative comments on the law. According to Beck, it was more accurate to say that for Paul, the law had been transcended rather than finished with. Referring to the rabbinic literature for support, Beck argued that Jews of that time had believed that history was divided into three epochs, 2,000 years of chaos, 2,000 years of law or Torah, beginning with the revelation at Mount Sinai, and 2,000 years of the Messianic age, which would finally be followed by, quote, that world which is holy Shabbat, the rest in the life of eternity. Paul's vision of Christ had convinced him that the age of the Messiah had arrived. In Beck's opinion, then, it was by no means outside the pale of Jewish thought for Paul to have assumed that the law had now been transcended. Nor was it un-Jewish for him to have exclaimed, all things are lawful unto me, 1 Corinthians 6, 12. Because this closely paralleled the rabbinic teaching that in the days of the Messiah, there will be no merit or guilt. Beck concluded that it would be wrong to say that Paul had rejected or condemned the law. As he saw it, what separated Paul from the Jewish people was the question of fact, the problem of whether the Messiah had finally been manifested, of whether his kingdom had already come in truth or not. Our final Jewish commentator is one of the most recent, and in fact, one of those most convinced by Paul's Jewishness. The North American scholar Alan Segal, who died in 2011, was a professor of religion at Columbia University, and he wrote, from a progressive Jewish perspective. His scholarly interests included early rabbinic Judaism and Christianity, Gnosticism, magic and mysticism, and Christianity and Judaism in the Roman Empire. In his most relevant study, his book, Paul the Convert, Segal took the unique view that Paul had been a Pharisee and also a first century Jewish mystic. The apostle's mysticism is evident, for example, in the vision in 2 Corinthians 12, where he identifies Christ as the figure that featured in many Jewish mystical visions, a human figure enthroned in heaven. Segal saw Paul, this passionate convert to the early Jesus movement, bringing with him the trappings of both his Pharisaism and Jewish mysticism, especially with regard to the vocabulary of his theology. Paul didn't appear to fit into any categories 
only because we don't know much about the first century world of Hellenistic Judaism. In fact, as, as Segal saw it, Paul is our only witness of a lost first century world of Jewish mysticism. For Segal, Paul's experience of conversion away from Pharisaism is central to understanding the apostle, despite the fact that Paul himself regarded himself as a Pharisee. Paul was not simply a Jew whose Messiah had arrived because he believed that a radical conversion or reorientation was necessary for all believers. His own conversion experience resulted in a striking emphasis on faith, an emphasis which was not shared by other Jews. It also results in the conclusion that non-Jews were now to be included in the covenant and why Paul did not offer a straightforward view of the law after the Christ. While he is consistent in doing away with the ceremonial law when, whenever possible, Paul actually offers several possible and contradictory views of the law, resulting from concrete situations that usually relate to non-Jewish converts to Christianity. But fundamentally, Paul himself clearly represented a legitimately way of being Jewish in the first century, drawing as he did on Hellenistic forms of Pharisaism and of mysticism. Having considered some key Jewish scholarly views of Paul, perhaps it's worth considering whether we can speak of a popular modern Jewish view of Paul, that is, of Paul as understood by a wider Jewish community. Here it is probably right to say that he does not appear on the popular Jewish cultural radar to anywhere near the extent that Jesus does, but that when he is thought of at all, it tends to be as the creator of Christianity and as a Jewish self-hater and as a dangerous missionary. A strong expression of this view was offered by the former chief rabbi of the United Synagogue in the United Kingdom, Jonathan Sachs, who, in his 1993 book One People, identified a genocidal ring to the Apostles' teachings, describing him as, quote, the architect of a Christian theology which deemed that the covenant between God and his people was now broken. No doctrine has cost more Jewish lives. Broadly speaking, the Jewish relationship with the Apostle to the Gentiles has been and remains a bitter one. He was largely ignored until the Enlightenment, with Jewish interest gathering real momentum only in the 19th century, in tandem with the growth of biblical Protestant scholarship and the Jewish reclamation of Jesus the Jew. Thereafter, Paul was frequently lambasted as the real founder of Gentile Christianity, under whose influence the tragic history of Jewish suffering unfolded. In contrast to the figure of Jesus, who has in the main been regarded as a good Jew of one sort or another, Paul remains an object of hostility and suspicion. While there have been a number of scholarly exceptions to this rule, one should not expect him, whose likening of the law to sin and death, which still echo down the centuries, to enjoy a more general Jewish reclamation anytime soon.